0: Today, we will be discussing Season 2, Episode 15, titled, Peter. Oh boy. God, this episode, it's... it's incredible. It really, really is. It's an amazing, amazing episode of television. It's an amazing storyline. It's an amazing flashback storyline for Fringe... Uh, if not the best episode, I do think this is absolutely in the top five of the entire series. It is truly a defining moment in every possible way. It has, like, this quality to it that is just so emotional and heartbreaking and... Beautiful and riveting and just so, so fantastic. Uh, It very much sets the stage for (laughs) what this conflict actually is, which we've been in it for a while now. We've been in this war between alternate universes for a while now, but now this actually kind of shows the inciting factor. The first moment the universes sort of collided. And it's... It's fantastic. Like, I genuinely believe, I think every show, and I've talked about this before, I think every show has a very specific, very easily identifiable moment. Where if you're not into it by then, it's just not gonna happen. I think this is that for French. I really do think that this episode is very much that For Fringe, 100%. It is the moment where its mythology falls into place. It is the moment where they offer probably their best storytelling, probably their best character work. It's the moment where all the puzzle pieces really fall into place. And this goes from really, really good to just absolute perfection. Like, this episode is... This episode and the consequences from it for the larger storyline is a large part of the reason why this is one of my favorite shows ever. It It's so, so good. So, of course, this episode is Walter telling Olivia the story of what the hell actually happened with Peter. Why is Peter, our Peter from the other universe, what happened to the Peter on this side, what the hell did Walter do all those years ago, what is happening here, uh, the bookends between Walter and Olivia are really, really good, and provide a really, really great staple for the episode in the larger mythos, uh, and, of course, their venturing back to the 80s is great. It's amazing to see Walter sort of when all of his wits were about him uh, and when he was at his most cold and calculating, when he was at his most lucid, when he was at his, his peak of brilliance and just see him as a guy <laughs> rather than the... Madman, we know of him today, and see how he, normal person Walter, uh, is affected by his son's death and having to go to take this alternate version of his son from the other side. Uh, and of course, like all of the 80s stuff, we see his lab assistant that, that pre fiery death that's cool. Uh, and I love the how they sort of play around with the 80s setting. There's this really cool moment where the observers are emerging from Back to the Future. Uh, from a screening of Back to the Future. But of course it was on the other side. So this version of Back to the Future has Eric Stoltz and not Michael J. Fox. <laughs> uh, that 80s inspired intro is perfect. Fringe actually plays a lot with its opening title sequence. Uh, when to signify which episodes are like different, uh, we'll eventually get into spending entire episodes on the other side. There's an alternate intro for that. There are alternate intros for when we're on different points of the timeline, when we're in alternate timelines. And this very much is the start of that. This very much is the start of Fringe just going you know what, we can use the intro to sort of tell the viewer, to telegraph to the viewer, this is the point of view from which we're tackling this episode. This is where, when, what dimension in which this episode takes place Uh, on. I really, really love it. The 80s intro is probably my favorite of all of those. Like, it's so good. I love how they put in things that are very much a thing now as, like, out there fringe events, like in vitro fertilization, fertilization uh, freaking <laughs> virtual reality, and stuff like that. It, it, it's great. It's really, really cool. Uh, I also really love the opening sequence where Walter Bishop's sort of pitching to the military this idea of viewing the alternate universe and taking their technology for ourselves... I kind of love that when they show the generals like this window into the other side and you see Zeppelin's docking at the Empire State Building, which is what the original purpose of the observation deck for the Empire State Building was. That is true. And then Hindenburg. (laughs) And that kind of stopped real quick. Uh, But on the other side, apparently no Hindenburg. And zeppelins are a popular means of travel, so you see a zeppelin docking at the Empire State Building, and it's real cool. Uh, But that opening sequence is great, but then of course it turns dark really, 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 really fast, where you see Walter just spying on Walternate as he's called. We have a name for the alternate Walter. Uh, It is Walternate. He's sort of spying on Walter as he uses his universe's superior technology to to come up with a cure for his Peter, who is also sick. And Walter's just trying to, like, cheat off his homework, basically, because he has no other resources to save his son. And that moment, oh my god, the moment in Peter's bedroom, where Walter walks in... And he's, like, having this final conversation with his son, uh, showing him the coin trick. And young Peter's like, hey, I want you to have my silver dollar when I die. And Walter's like, no, you're not going to die. You're not going to, like, you're not going to miss anything. You're going to be okay. And, like, the young Peter literally dies in his arms. Like, it is. Oh, it is heartbreaking. It is really really rough to watch. And by the way, props to John Noble who is very much the star of this episode as you might have guessed, and he delivers some of his most nuanced acting. Like he delivers he delivers a powerhouse performance even by his own standards for this character and just Jesus freaking Christ. Also the woman who plays Elizabeth Bishop, Walter's wife, uh, Orla Brady, I believe is her name. I could be wrong about that. Uh, She does a spectacular job. She does a really, really phenomenal job. I'm now very concerned that I got the name wrong, so I may or may not be looking this up on IMDb as I'm, uh, as I'm talking, but she also does an amazing, amazing job in this episode. She pops up a few times over... Uh, over the course of the series, and she's always great, yeah, it's Orla Brady, she does an amazing job, uh, amazed that she's not a bigger actor than, uh, than she is at the moment, but, uh, anyway, when Peter dies, and you have the whole aftermath of that, you have the funeral, uh, you have this incredible moment where Elizabeth's like, we didn't give him a real life, we didn't, he didn't go to a proper school. He didn't have any real friends. Like, we just kept him sheltered. We kept him away from the rest of the world. And Walter's like, no, he was too He was too sick. Like, we we did what we had to do. We did the best we could. And he has this great moment where he says he knew he was loved. And then he pauses for a moment. And you kind of see, like, Walter's resolve just slowly deteriorating as he becomes less and less sure of himself. And he's like, didn't he? Like, just... Oh. Oh, it's the most heartbreaking shit. It's so devastating. It's like the entire the entire first third or so of this episode. It's just one gut punch after another and it's so brilliantly done and so amazing and I love everything about it. And I especially love this one scene. This scene is perfect where Walter shows Elizabeth the universe window and shows and shows her this other Peter and shows her this other version of Peter who is still alive and is still sitting in his bed uh his father is still searching for a cure and Walter shows Elizabeth this, and Elizabeth is like, like, how are you doing this? How are you doing this? How is Peter al- How How are you doing this? How are you showing me Peter? And Walter is like, I'm showing you another universe like ours, but, uh, not quite. And I'm showing this be- so that you can know that somewhere Peter will live, somewhere he will live a full life, somewhere he will grow and... And have, like, something beyond his bedroom. Just not here. And by the way, this is a sentiment that I find very comforting. I'm a- I've actually kind of stolen this. And used it in my own life as, like, some form of comfort. Whenever, like, some form of tragedy strikes. Like, somewhere... My father was not an abusive, manipulative douchebag. Just not here. Somewhere, my aunt didn't pass away, but... not here. Even applying it to 2020, somewhere, the coronavirus pandemic is not a thing, and we could live our lives normally, just not here. Uh, Somewhere... Somewhere RBG's still alive, but not here, to get, uh, the tiniest bit political. Uh, somewhere Trump didn't become president, just not here. Uh, to hit a little, uh, closer to the present, um, the Rooster Teeth community is having to deal with Ryan Haywood being outed outed as a full-blown sexual predator, um, and part of me has gotten into the somewhere Ryan Haywood's not a sexual predator and somewhere he didn't abuse his power as a popular rooster teeth uh, personality to prey on young women and have sex with underage girls. Like somewhere he's actually a decent human being, just not here. Like this idea of somewhere X horrible thing didn't happen. Somewhere everything worked out. Just not here. I do find very comforting, and I do use this very, very often. It's an ideology that I have come to subscribe to. It does actually... I do suggest next time, and hopefully you don't ever have to do this, but let's be honest, you will. Next time something horrible and tragic and terrifying and unthinkably... Devastating happens in your life. Try try using that. Try thinking somewhere everything worked out, just not here. Somewhere this horrible thing didn't happen and everything's okay, just not here. I think you'll be surprised as to how much of a comfort that can be. Because it certainly has worked for me. It really, really has. But anyway, I love that scene. I love it, I love it, I love it, I love it, I love it. And then everything goes to shit. When Walternet finds a cure, Walter watches the cure work and then he is interrupted by an observe by the observer. Walternet gets distracted and the mixture sort of destabilizes and walter Nitt never saw the cure work so walter Nitt just abandons that idea and goes to literally anything else and like watching our walter become completely unhinged completely inconsolable completely enraged after watching Walternet come so close, but not know that he got it. And just becomes so infuriated. He throws, like, I think it was like a beaker at the universe window and cracks it. Like, it's just, oh, it's amazing. It's an incredible, incredible moment. And, of course, the observer goes to his observer pals and is like, I had to see it. It was an important moment. Well, you now change the future, asshole, so you gotta fix it. <laughs> you gotta figure this shit out. Good luck, and all of this causes Walter to go after Walternet's idea for a cure and stabilize it do do what he uh What Walternet should have done. Do what Walternet would have done if he knew that it worked. Get that extra little push across the finish line. And then he wants to go over to the other side and cure the other Peter. He becomes consumed with this. He becomes consumed with saving saving the other Peter. Saving the other Peter. Saving the other Peter. Saving the other Peter. And... Lab assistant uh, Carla comes in and is like, hey, no, don't do this. The amount of energy that is required to cross between universes would forever ruin both sides. You will destroy the world for the sake of one life. And Walter essentially just goes, screw you, I'm doing it, because I can't. Like, he's just so consumed with, like, he can't, I can't let Peter die again, I can't let Peter die again, I can't let Peter die again, that he is just, he has foregone all reason, and is just, just gonna do it, just gonna go ahead and do it. And, I love this one exchange, where Carla tells Walter Some things are not ours to tamper with. Some things are God's. And Walter has the incredible line. There's only room for one God in this lab. And it's not yours. Okay, so, um... Let's talk about this for a second. Uh... So, Past Walter's an asshole. (laughs) Past Walter is not a good person. At all. Like, he literally just flat out declared himself God. Like, that just happened. We just watched that happen. Past Walter is the worst. (laughs) Past Walter is the worst person. I'll just say that. But anyway, he ignores her warnings as she goes to Nina and is like, "Hey, this is happening. He's building it. Need help." And Walter goes to Raiden Lake. Remember Raiden Lake? That uh that's where David Robert Jones was successfully able to open a portal into the other universe. End of last season. That's the thing that needed to be plugged. So, Walter's responsible for that soft spot. Walter's responsible for that crack. But he goes to Raiden Lake, sets this up. Carla and Nina immediately show up and are like, Hey, no, don't. Stop it. Uh, Nina tries to talk Walter down. "I, I won't let you do this. I won't let you do this. William Bell wouldn't want you to do this. And Walter's just like... Yeah, he would! What are you talking about? Oh, oh, if William Bell's so concerned about me going to the other universe, why isn't he here? I'm guessing you called him a bunch and he didn't answer. Guess what? William Bell loves the idea of me going to another universe... He's constantly telling me I should go to the other universe. Why just look when you can go there? Oh, I, I I know. You're probably shocked by this. You are constantly... You are constantly fooled by, like, the charm and all of that. And, oh, man, you probably think he's a great person. But William Bell only cares about one thing. Expanding... Uh, The prominence and wealth of William Bell. And Nina, in one last uh, bit to get Walter to stop, is like, hey, listen. You know what Peter meant to me. And it's going to be hard to admit that he's gone, but we have to accept that. And then Walter... And when that doesn't work, Nina desperately tries to, like, knock Walter to the ground and hold him back from going through the portal. Walter successfully escapes from her clutches and goes through the portal. And... Nina's arm gets caught in said portal. So that story we heard in the pilot of, like, I was a runner, and then... I had brain cancer. And the cancer uh spread to my or uh, uh, why did why did I say brain cancer? It wasn't brain cancer. Why did I say why did I say that? Wait, was it brain cancer? I can't remember. She had cancer. I don't know where the word brain came from, if that's real or not, but it was cancer. And the cancer got so bad that her arm had to be amputated, that whole, yeah, no, if it was brain cancer, her arm wouldn't have to be amputated, why am I stupid, why am I dumb, why did I say brain, I don't know why I said brain, brain's not a thing, uh, but her arm had to be amputated because cancer, that was a full-blown lie, that is not a thing, Her arm got amputated because it got caught in a portal between universes. And I love the moment where she just has, like, ghost arm. To a certain extent. Like, it's just, like, between one side and the other. Like, not quite there, not quite here. It's not like David Robert Jones where he just got harsh cut in half. Like, it was just, for whatever reason, like... Her arm was at a certain place where it's just, or the technology was at a certain place where it just went, like, just ghost arm. Like, it's, it, oh my god, it's, it's great. It's a great moment, I love it. But, being tackled to the ground caused the vial with the cure in it to rupture. So, Walter no longer has the cure on him. Which means he has to take Peter, physically take him out of the house, take him through the portal, cure him on our side, and then bring him back. So he goes in, and is like, hey, we gotta go, I have a cure. Tells the alternate version of his wife, hey, we gotta go, I got a cure. gotta cure, go. we gotta go, we gotta go, we gotta go, we gotta go. And then he goes to Elizabeth, alternate Elizabeth, and is like, hey... Just so you know, uh, look, uh, you need to stay here. This'll take a while. It'll take a bit to get the right dosage. You're gonna need to stay here, get some rest. That way, when Peter is recovering, he'll be all, he'll be in your hands and you'll be okay. And you'll be, you'll have your wits about you to take care of Peter when he's recovering. And she's like, okay, fine, whatever. And then they go out to the ice. And alternate Peter, or I guess I should just say Peter, because I think you're starting to see where this is going, nails it on the first try and is like, you're not my father, are you? And Walter's like, of, of course I am. <laughs> who, else, who else would I be? Anyway, let's open a portal to the other universe and... They go back through, and then the ice breaks, and they fall through, and they're saved by the Observer. Remember when Walter said that they were driving to Thanksgiving dinner and then ran off the road and crashed? Remember when he said that was the cause? because Remember that? Yeah, that's also a lie. They fell through the ice when coming from another universe. And Walter wakes up in the car, the observers driving, and he's like, "Hey, the boy, the boy's important. He has to live. You need to save you need to save the. You need to save Peter. The boy must live. And the observer just leaves. Walter goes back to his lab and he's pumping Peter full of the drugs. Pumping Peter full of the, of the cure. And he's like, "Yeah, I'm going to take him back. I'm going to take him back. Don't worry, I'm going to take him back." And then Elizabeth visits the lab and sees Peter, and it's like. Oh my god, my child, he's back, ah, oh, my Peter, he he's returned And Walter's like, Hey No, he's not ours. We have to we have to let him go. And Elizabeth just looks at Walter and you see like present-day Walter's narration of just like and in that moment I knew I couldn't take him back. <laughs> I could not do it, I could not say goodbye to Peter again. Uh I knew the second I saw Elizabeth's face, like, I just, it just couldn't be done. I saw in her what I was afraid of in myself. And that was the first crack. The first in a pattern of cracks between worlds. And it's all my fault. So, yeah! I love, I love this episode. I love it so much honestly this could be watched as its own short film it's that good like it's it's good it's it's a phenomenal episode it is quite possibly best fringe everything about this episode is magnificent like just my god it's it's something special it really really is anyway uh if you like this Favorite the podcast, Anchor.fm slash Archives so that you can be here every single Monday through Friday as I go through every single episode of this and other shows. And you can find it on pretty much whatever podcatcher app you prefer. Feel free to call in as well. It's simple as just a pushable button on the Anchor app. I'll play those on the show from time to time if you feel so inclined to send those in. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram, tomtom4468, and support the show. Patreon.com slash Thomas Clark pledges a dollar month. I appreciate everything I get through there. If you become a patron, you can also get access to the Television Archive Supplemental, which I'll be putting up there once every month. Or, if that doesn't work for you, you can also support the show directly via Anchor. I appreciate that as well. Uh, Tomorrow, we'll be discussing Season 2, Episode 16. Talk to you then.